Hello, friends. Hello, and greetings once again, my friends. Welcome to another episode of Improv and Magic. As you know, I'm your host, L.D. Madeira, and I have a really special guest with me today on the podcast. She's Casey Corge. Casey is a fellow actor, director, and instructor at Just the Funny in Miami, and she also performs at various shows and festivals. There's so much I can say about this incredible woman. She's very talented, incredibly funny, super intelligent, extra professional, extra kind. What more can I say? We got to sit down and talk about Casey's life, how she dealt with shyness in the beginning, and how she continues to grow and develop herself as a performer and an instructor. I've been very honored and proud to share the stage with this great talent, and I was very honored to hear her share her story. Here now is my guest, KC Korge. I'm so happy to be here with fellow performer, fellow director, fellow teacher, fellow all-round amazing human being, Casey Corge. Hey, Casey, how you doing? LD, thank you for having me. Well, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you taking time out to talk to me today. Yeah, absolutely. I'll talk to you any day. <laughs> um, I'm I'm always I'm always in awe of you. I really, really am because I, I admire all the ideas you have. I love when you direct a show because you're very willing to do something very, very different, mm-hmm. and and I love that so much about you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's, um, you know, doing something different. I don't know. Like, sometimes I feel like we get very into, like, a routine here. and We're doing, like, you know, it's different every time. But sometimes you just want to, like, spice up a show a little bit. Make the cast a little excited to try something new. So, it's a good thing. I, I, I love spicing things up. Yeah. That's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> always. Always spicy. Cool. Uh, let's start at the beginning with you. Um, where did you grow up? Um, I'm born and raised in Miami, Florida. Yeah. 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 Can't you tell? (laughs) (laughs) Um, what was growing up for you like? Uh, growing up was fine. I was one of four kids. It was like three of four and there's a big age gap between almost all of us. So, and you know, I was kind of a little dorky and moved schools a lot, got bullied and teased a lot. Were you really? I was a lot as a kid. I like, didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, can't you tell? Just, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like a lot of people in improv are just formerly bullied, but I mean, yeah. I was. It was like, it got bad to the point where, like, I did switch schools and things like that. So I think growing up was a little lonely, um, where I think it makes sense now in kind of adulthood. Even in high school, I don't, I think, like, I had a vice principal tell me once, like, you're just nice. Why are you nice to everyone? You don't have a problem or an issue with anyone. He was very much like the disciplinarian in the school. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that, like, kind of molded me into this person who's just like, You know, not down with conflict, always trying to get along with everybody, and uh, definitely into group activities sometimes. 
Hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I think I'm definitely the same way. Yeah. If I can avoid conflict, I, I definitely do. Yeah. And, you know, I was I was also bullied a lot as a, as a kid. I didn't get bullied in high school, but elementary school, I, I, I got a really, really bad. And yeah. it kind of formed like a, and I don't know if I've ever grown out of it, kind of like a fear of people sometimes. Yeah. Did, that, did that happen to you? Yeah. I think it's really, um, I think something I just noticed about myself because I just did a group trip with like 14 women and the thing I noticed about myself is that when there's a lot of people together in a group I kind of take like a back seat to everything I'm very quiet and timid of the group as a whole but when it's like one-on-one or with a very small group like maybe like two other people I think that's where I really come out of my shell a whole lot and I think it's just more of like that fear of people in groups <laughs> you know what I mean because yeah. I think sometimes, at least when I was a kid and I was bullied, it was like, if I spoke to another kid one-on-one, they were usually much nicer than if they were, like, pairing up with a bunch of other kids. Does that make sense? It, it makes total sense, because I, I have the exact same experience. Yeah. You and I are so much alike. It's, I think it's so, so interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so that was, I think, you know, um, we all kind of, oh, childhood could be so hard being bullied and all this crap, but... You grow up and you become a much better person for it. I really do. I think so. You become gentle and kind and, you know, understanding that the world's just gray and not black and white. And I think that's really important, especially now. So, yeah. 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 What was it like growing up being one of four? Um, interesting. My older siblings are like nine and eight years older than me. So it was like having an extra set of parents, almost. Like, my older sister is, like, another mom 2.0 for me. And then my younger sibling, he's, like, six years younger than me. So, you know, a lot of focus was on him when I was, like, around, like, six, seven, you know. Even, like, growing up through high school, the focus was still very much on him. So it was kind of, like... It was fun. I feel like I flew under the radar a lot. <laughs> I think I took my dad's car on like a joyride at 13. Like I was able oh to gosh. test the waters a little bit. Yeah. And my siblings were like the bad ones. They did all the like troublemaking and I learned from them quickly. And then Kevin, my younger brother, was like the, you know, El Nino, the little like precious boy. And so like, you know, I was just, I was chilling, I think. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you were born and raised in Miami. And what's funny is I've had this same conversation with, uh, with, with David and, and Rick, mm -hmm. how we're from Miami, but we don't seem at all like we're from Miami. Yeah. What, what, is, what is that like growing up? It's odd. I get it a lot, though. I get it especially from people from Miami. Or, like, you don't strike me as someone that's from here. Are you sure you're not from Palm Beach or something? Like, <laughs> it's just like, no, born and raised here. It's it's odd because when I went away to college, and I didn't go far. I went to Winter Park, uh, which is a suburb of Orlando. I went to Rollins College. And a lot of the students there are either from, like, you know, the Northeast you know, mostly actually from the Northeast and a lot of them too. It's like, I didn't fit in with them either, you know? So it's like Miami, I'm a little bit of an outlier here. I'm definitely an outlier when I get out of Miami and I go and visit my friends in like North Carolina or like California <laughs> even. It's just like, it's weird. You feel kind of like, I don't know, floating between spaces and groups of people and yeah. 
Well, it's even weirder when you're from Miami and you're Hispanic and yeah. yet you don't have the traits of, of a Latino male at all. Because, right. like, <laughs> you know, you look at me, if you just look at me, yeah. you see a Hispanic. But once I start... Once I start talking, you're like, where's this guy from? Yeah. Because you know, I never, because I, I think because I watched a lot of TV growing up, I never developed a, an accent. Mm-hmm. And uh, the fact that I don't speak Spanish, which yeah. I hate, I don't know why, my brain has never, you know, it, it's never really clicked in. But, uh, and it's not from lack of trying. It's not from lack of trying. I agree. But I didn't grow up with the same, I, I, I guess it's safe to say that I just didn't grow up the traditional Latin way, if there is such a thing. But you, you get what I'm saying, right? No, exactly. Same exact experience for me. Like, my mom is Cuban, um, and, but my dad's side's Lebanese. And so, yeah, just not being able to speak Spanish fluently and, you know, not feeling like, yeah. I, I have a joke, actually. I just started doing stand-up. I took the stand-up class here because it's like, I promised Jone a long time ago I'd do it. I never did. <laughs> he left, and then I decided to do it. <laughs> you were waiting for him to leave before you could do it. <laughs> I couldn't do that to him being in this yeah. class. Um, yeah. But anyway, I took the stand-up class, and my first joke is really like, I am just the whitest Latina in Miami. Like, it feels <laughs> like I'm a cafe con leche, but with oat milk, you know? Like... <laughs> So it's just, I know exactly what you're saying. I think there's like a bigger group of us out there that maybe we just don't know about. We should start our own little meetups or something. Yeah. Start our, start our own union. <laughs> <laughs> the white Latino society. Exactly. <laughs> um, of the four, which number were you? I'm three. You're yeah. three. So I'm like, yeah, in that I'm a middle child, but I'm like the second middle child, so like they really don't give a fuck. Like, you know? Um, but yeah, I I don't know. I love my family, I love my siblings. I think three is actually the sweet spot because I really did. I was able to kind of get away with so much and also at this point where my parents weren't as worried anymore, I guess, you know? They yeah. had two reckless kids already before me. You know, it's interesting. Uh, my wife is also one of four. Yeah. And she's number two. Uh-huh. Uh, her, uh, her younger brother and sister were actually twins, so I guess they count as three oh, almost. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she talked about how growing up as a middle child can be hard because, and I hear that all the time, there's that fight for attention mm-hmm. and that fight to be recognized within the family. Did you go through any of that? I think it's um, a little bit, probably maybe more when I was really young. But again, I think getting bullied so much as a kid, you don't want attention so much (laughs) you are happy to fly under the radar and I was very shy as like a little kid so I would go to my room read play with toys like I was happy just being alone and I still am to this day are you really yeah sometimes I'm just like you know what I would give to spend a day at home and not say a word out loud you know what I mean (laughs) wow I do. I like it. I think there's like a healthy balance of that sometimes. So I think alone time is really important. But also, I'm a person who had a lot of it growing up, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you want it, but then you don't want it. Yeah. <laughs> there's always that yin and yang. Um, what really uh, freaked me out recently is that we recently learned that we both went to the same high school. Yeah. 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 yeah we I'm went to LaSalle, LaSalle High School. Yeah. yeah. Royal Lions. <laughs> <laughs> like, what makes them the Royal Lions, too? Which... I don't know. 
<laughs> Can we just be the lions or the ro- pick one? You can't be both. I I wasn't there when that decision was made. It's just <laughs> I came in and that's what we were. I, I remember. I think it was my junior year. They got the new gymnasium just built. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. and it's like they actually struck a deal with the Miami Heat so that they could train there mm-hmm. for a while. So I don't know if they still do, but uh, I remember the court was like it wasn't like the a normal floor of a of a court. It wasn't like that le- that shiny wood. It was like this like plasticky floor that was supposed to be better. Yeah. But then uh, everyone just hated it, and they just changed it to the regular wood floor, I think. They treated that gymnasium like it was sacred ground, which is kind of funny for a Catholic school. <laughs> like, <laughs> we yeah. had mass in that gymnasium, too. Did like, you really? Yeah, we did. Oh, I, they didn't do that when I was there. I think we had, like, so many kids in our school. Like, my graduating class was, like, the biggest graduating class they had ever had. Was it really? Yeah, and they, they think... They just couldn't fit us all at once in the church. So we started having them in the gymnasium. I remember I did, they would make us, did you ever do happy hands? No. Oh, LD. What is happy hands? Happy hands is, um, it's an art form uh, <laughs> that I did once because I had to. I think it was sophomore year they made everybody do it. But it was basically um, in mass, they played Ave Maria it was the chorus, and then all of us 10th graders had to go out and basically, it's almost like it's a hybrid between only dancing with your upper half of your body and arms and, like, signing. You know, like, it's visual, but it was just like, Ave Maria. Was it actual sign language? And you're, it's not real sign language. (laughs) It's like fake sign language mixed with interpretive dance. It was so embarrassing. I, I ne- we never had that when I was there. They made every sophomore do it. And it was just like, it was like a rite of passage there. Just to go up and embarrass yourself in front of the whole school with fake interpretive dance sign language. Like... I'm, you're so lucky. Congratulations. I think I am. You know, you may have had the uh, you may have had the biggest graduating class. I actually had the worst behaved graduating class. Oh, good and, for you. Well, well, I wasn't one of them. I wasn't one of them. <laughs> but you know, my class was made up of a whole bunch of like cool kids from like rich families and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And like so many of the kids in my class were constantly getting into trouble. Yeah. Like detention, like every week, and and they just didn't care. And to be quite honest, I don't know how most of those kids graduated. That's that's how that's how badly they did. And apparently, I wasn't there that day because I finished like all my finals early. But apparently, the, their very last day, they had like egged the entire school and oh threw toilet paper. From what I heard, it was it was bad. Oh no, mine was different. I feel like even the like rich, cool kids that were like doing drugs and like partying really hard and stuff they were also really good students it was a weird well-rounded group when i was there again i didn't have like an issue with anybody i really liked my experience at LaSalle. i was senior class president were you really i was i was like so into doing like the campaigns too so naturally now I'm in marketing, but like, yeah, I would like go to Burger King and get crowns from them, not buy a single thing, just walk in and be like, how many crowns can you give me? And they gave me a bunch of crowns, like 300 crowns. I like 
repainted them, like wrote my name on all of them and like gave them out to everyone. I like had full on campaigns. People thought I was nuts. That is hilarious. But yeah, I think it was just such a like, um, it was such a high school experience for me. Yeah. Like football games and homecomings. It was, it was nice. I liked yeah. it. My senior year is when they finally decided to have a football team. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I actually did spring training for for football and I don't know what it was that made me do it. I guess because all the guys were doing it. Yeah. Mind you, it's weird for me to do that because I didn't really care that much of being like one of the cool kids. But right. for some reason I felt like, okay, it's an athletic. Let me try doing it. And I held out for a while, but then finally I was like, I just can't do this anymore. <laughs> Did you ever do sports? Like, were you ever, like, a sports kid or... No. You know what's really funny? Um, I like tennis. Mm -hmm. And I always try to get into the tennis team. But for some reason, something always came up that always prevented me from being able to join the tennis team. Like, weird things. Like, there was this once where my mom signed my permission slip and I had to give it to the coach. And one day I brought it and it actually blew into the the water. (laughs) It's a sign. <laughs> I, I guess. God did not want me to play tennis. I don't know why. Um, but, you know, it, it's funny. The day that I left the spring training at football, I don't remember the name of the of the coach. He was like one of the lead coaches. Uh-huh. He made me feel so bad. Aww. Like when I when I was like walking away, he looked at my, uh, my, my cleats and he said, hey, maybe you can trade those in for ballet shoes. Oh, what a dick. What a total dick. I, I still remember that to this day. He's not likely there anymore, at least I hope not, but yeah, I, I hated him so much. But you know what, there's probably someone just like him that's there now, too. You know, There's it's always possible. a dick just hanging around. I mean, yeah, that's shitty. That just, like, ruins the experience completely. Like, one comment like that, I think is... It does. Yeah, but eh, whatever. You're better off. I think so. You should have tried ballet, though. Ballet is intense. They make football players do ballet. I've heard that. Yeah. Heard that. Did you do ballet? No. <laughs> <laughs> I actually did play tennis for a while. Uh, like, most of, um, not quite high school, but, like, through elementary and middle school, we'd go and play tennis. That was, like, the only sport I ever played. I'm not a... Same here. Same not here. a sports kid. <laughs> yeah. Um, were you still a shy kid when you were in high school? Yeah, I think I'm still a shy kid now. I mean, in high school, I definitely came out of my shell a lot more. I think I really came out of my shell more in middle school because I went to a magnet school for performing arts. I went Mm. to South Miami Middle, and I was in the drama magnet there. And I think that's where I really came out of my shell because it was a bunch of other weirdos like myself that loved doing plays and monologues and theater. And, um, yeah, I made some amazing friends there my best friend I'm still friends best friends with her today I met her and became friends uh with her in middle school so um came out of my shell for sure but always remained pretty shy I think yeah what was it that got you interested in performing when you were a kid and nothing really I think um in fifth grade I can't my memory's awful but something had happened where, I don't know, I think a teacher had told my mom, like, hey, Casey's actually, again, I was bullied a lot, and so, you know, I think a teacher had told my mom, like, Casey's really good at speaking out loud and reading things out loud. I was always called on to, like, read things in class and whatever, and I think uh, fifth grade we had to do maybe, like, a little play or skit or something, and I know a teacher told my mom, and my mom just had, like, you know, 
the really good instinct to just be like, oh, well, maybe we should like harness that a little bit. And one day she was just like, hey, you're going to go audition for a middle school. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> and I didn't know anything. I didn't know. She's like, you have to have a monologue. And I was like, what's a monologue? And she goes, I don't know. Pick something from a book. <laughs> and so I got uh, Roald Dahl's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Mm. And I just picked one of the things from like the beginning that the narrator, you know, speaks to about Charlie going in front of the factory and the smells in the air and things like that. And that's what I did. That was my monologue and my audition and I got in. So, yeah. And what was that experience like being in that magnet school? It was really cool because it was just everyone, you know, you don't feel so young at the time in middle school. You're like, wow, I'm in middle school now. You know, (laughs) it feels like a step up. Um, But everyone's just so young and like so passionate you know and like the theater kids were like really theater kids um you know they like taught me so much they were like my teachers it Mm -hmm. was like you don't know what cabaret is let me just sing every fucking line from cabaret to you right now in the middle of the lunchroom like that's how most theater kids tend to turn out to be i think yeah like i would get lessons from my fellow students and then since it was an arts magnet, I met kids who were like in band and chorus and visual art and dance and they were all just so passionate and so talented and, you know, I think finding passion that young in something is really inspiring. Yeah, so, yeah. it totally is. Mm-hmm. At what point did you feel like this is something I would really like to do more of? Was Uh-oh. it during that experience at the magnet school? Yeah, I think so. It was just like you do two hours of it every day there. So it was like... You're doing it all the time. You feel like it's your life, especially mm-hmm. at that age when you have no fucking life. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, I loved it. But then I went to LaSalle for high school, and, you know, I just I discovered other things in life, too. Like, uh, I'm trying to think, what else did I discover in life? Well, there was tennis. You mentioned tennis, that. Tennis, yeah. Well, boys also, <laughs> who I never spoke to. I think every guy I ever fell in love with through middle school and high school, were gay. All of them. Really? Every single one. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I think it was just, uh, it was like a really nice point in my life in middle school where that was like such a big focus, but then I was able to kind of like do other things. Yeah. Did you do uh, any theater in high school? I did. I would take like drama classes. I'd be in like the plays and things like that. And that was also really fun. But I did that. I did student council. I did like, you know, a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. And so you said you went to college where again? Rollins College. It's a liberal arts school in Winter Park, Florida. It looks like a country club. That's the joke that they make. (laughs) Um... It was a good experience. There I didn't do any theater. Really? Yeah. I was, um, I think by then I was completely turned off by theater and I don't, I don't know why. I can't even tell you. I was just, um, not into it. Didn't feel like that that was like a path for me. And instead I found, well, I ended up being a critical media and cultural studies major, which is... Fancy liberal arts speak communications, basically. Um, <laughs> and I worked at the radio station. So mm. I had a radio show on WPRK. 
91.5 FM if you're ever in Orlando, listen to it. And I had my radio show, and then I was a station manager for a while as well. So, What was your radio show like? It was called Casey in the Sunshine State, and I just played... I just played. That is perfect. <laughs> I played a lot of uh, like local, like Florida bands. Mm-hmm. So it was all alternative music mostly. But that radio station was so cool. It was on twenty four seven. So we had DJs from the school, from the community, in the station, live in person, twenty four hours a day. Wow. My first radio show there. My first time slot was three to six a.m. Friday mornings. And I would go to like a statistics class. Three to six (laughs) a.m. Yeah. Mm hmm. Wild. I don't know how HR allowed that to happen, like at all. Like that school, we were flying again. This is where I shine, flying under the radar, because that's all we did at that yeah. radio station. Like, administration had like no clue what we were doing down there. And, um, uh, yeah. And once they caught wind, things changed quickly. But, um yeah it was so great i went to every single concert in orlando for free i got tickets to every venue i saw so many great bands i really thought like oh maybe i'll work in the music industry after this and and i also had like a internship outside of the radio station i had an internship with the florida film festival oh did you really yeah i did that for like two years i think um maybe just a year Again, the memory's really bad. But um, that was so fun, too. I went and I saw movies for free at this beautiful theater in Maitland, Florida, called The Enzian. If you're ever in Orlando, outside of Disney and all that stuff, and you want to go to a cool, independent movie theater, it's like an old Florida house. And it's like a theater inside. You can dine inside. And then they have a bar outside where everyone goes after the movie to just chat. And it's really a magical place, so... So what did you actually pay for? Uh, oh, hang on. college, not a lot. <laughs> but I worked like a dog. I had that internship. I worked at the radio station. I would babysit. I mean, I've always been a, a hard worker. I like to hustle. So I could tell. Yeah. I could tell. So when you got into college, did you know what trajectory you wanted for yourself? Did you know what you wanted to do and what path you wanted to take at that point? No, zero. I still don't know. Like, <laughs> I mean, to this day, I'm just like, what am I doing? I think um, it's funny, actually, when I first got to college, it was, uh, I was accidentally listed as a music major. Really? I don't sing. I don't play an instrument. Like, And I was with all the music majors. And uh, they kind of, by major, they group you with these... Um, classes that kind of help you like through your first semester in college you know just like getting acclimated and so I was with all the music majors for like a lot of classes my first semester and I'm still friends best friends with one of those uh wonderful people that I met in that class now so yeah my life I like dabble in everything and you know I kind of just go where the wind takes me a little bit Okay, that's pretty cool. That's pretty yeah. cool, I think. You're you're always keeping yourself open to new possibilities. Why not, right? Why not? It's a pretty good way to live, I think. <laughs> yeah. So what did you do after college? Oh my gosh, after college, I moved back to Miami. And 
I don't know. I really thought about, like, where do I want to go? I don't want to go back to Miami. I want to move somewhere else. And I never found where I wanted to move to. There's something about Miami I just love. Like, it's, I don't know. And then maybe I won't be here forever, but it kind of feels like I am. Um, but, yeah, I was just, like, I always wanted to be here. I have such a big family. I have so many friends. I love the culture here. I love the people here as much as everyone drives me nuts here and the traffic and whatever. But, like, there's just something Miami about Miami that's so unique and different. Um, so I kind of just ended up floating back here. And I worked at a drive-in movie theater for a little bit uh, before I found, like, a more permanent gig working at uh, an ad agency, and I got into advertising and marketing. Um, but even then, I kept my drive-in movie gig because I met another one of my current best friends there. <laughs> You're really good at making friends wherever you go, Casey. I'm telling you, the one-on-one connections, I love them. Um, who I just saw last night. Yeah, I keep everyone. So... The drive-in, though, is funny because I was listening to another episode of this podcast and it came up that you guys did Rocky Horror at a drive-in in the Grove at some point with JTF. Were you in that? Uh, I never did any of those, uh, but I remember, yeah, Mark mentioned it. because uh, he was Because yeah. he was part of it. Um, we, we did this thing where uh, this drive-in theater would contact us to do special shows based on the movies that they were playing, so... One day, our cast did Scarface over there, like an improvised Scarface. Yes. Then another time, it was an improvised uh, Jurassic Park. <laughs> and I don't know what, what else uh, we did, but uh, but yeah, we, we had like a nice little gig with them for a while. Okay. That's the drive-in I worked for. That was the You blue, worked at that very same drive-in? Blue Starlight Drive-In. Yes. I was that guy, Josh. He um, opened the drive-in here in Miami. He, has, he still has the one in Austin, I believe. Um, yeah, I was with him at every location he had, but yeah, I was there and I was there for the Rocky Horror one and it was before I knew anything about JTF. So really? So it's kind of wild, the connections, but. What did you do at the, at the drive-in? What was your job there? Oh my gosh. So he would tell everybody he hired that they were the manager. So that, <laughs> <laughs> so I thought I was the manager. <laughs> But I was just like, you know, a general employee. I would just um, have to set up the drive-in because it was very much like a mobile, like, pop-up kind of situation. Uh-huh. Like, even blowing up the screen and, like, putting that up. Um, you had to put up the screen, too? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. It was wild. Um, I would, like, run mostly, like, the concession stand, which was, like, out of, like, this old little teardrop trailer, like an Airstream and... Uh, yeah, and then, like, go, you know, check people in, make sure they have their tickets. Every year, it would be, like, I just loved it so much. Every year, we would play The Notebook around Valentine's Day. Of course. Yeah, and you would always get sold out. Always sold out. And I, I'm telling you, every single screening... I would have to, like, roll everything back, you know, like, lock everything up, put the food away, throw trash out once the movie was over, like, wrap everything up, and there would still be one car there with a couple in it, you know, like, just parked, you know, just hooking up, making out, doing whatever, and I'd always have to go knock on the window and just like, hey, guys, (laughs) you you gotta get the fuck out of here. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, I'm sure you probably had a lot of great awkward moments with that. It was, I think it was just like the fun, kind of almost what's fun about JTF too, is like just meeting random people in the community and like having these nice interactions or awkward interactions. Mm Mm-hmm. Makes you feel alive. Yeah, you definitely don't let awkwardness phase you, which I think is, is yeah. one of your one of your many uh, wonderful traits. Yeah, I, if I did, I'd be yeah paralyzed. So <laughs> <laughs> has that always been kind of like your thing? Do you love embracing awkwardness? No, I work at that. Like I just have to because I I think if you just try to. I think if you just try to, like, mask it or pretend like it's not there, it only gets worse. Right, yeah. I think if you acknowledge it and you embrace it and whatever, it might get a little worse, but at least we're all in on it together and yeah. it can be a moment and it passes. So. Yeah, I get yeah. you. I get you. So, was it seeing us at the drive-in that made you interested in JTF? No, actually. Um, I was so I had quit working at the drive-in because doing that and my actual paying job um, at an ad agency was a bit overwhelming and um, at a certain point I was just kind of like I'm not doing anything like even though I work in an ad agency it doesn't feel like that creative and I was kind of looking for something to do that was more creative Mm -hmm. and I briefly I think I went on like two dates with this guy I he was super cool. I met him at Jada Cole's down the street and he like ran into a bunch of people that walked into Jada Cole's and he was like chatting with them. And then I was like, Oh, who are they? And he's telling me, Oh yeah, we've all taken these, these improv classes together. And I'm like, where? And he's like, just the funny down the street. You should check it out. I was like, Oh, maybe. <laughs> and then <laughs> never saw him again. And then like, I think it was like less than a year later. I was like, "Oh yeah, that place. I should check it out." And I went, and I can't even remember. I can't even tell you like the process. I think I just showed up the first day of class, and yeah, Rick Rick Minares was my teacher. Was he your first teacher? He was like my only teacher for a while. Oh really? He taught all. He taught four of my five levels. Mm -hmm. Carlos Hernandez taught level four to me. But yeah, I had Rick, like, that was my guy, you know? Wow. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I'm trying to figure out now who it was that you went on that date with. See if I could figure oh, out who it is. Oh, can you? I wish I could even... I think I remember his first name. Uh. He wasn't from here. He's mm. very... But he wasn't in the cast, though. I think oh, he, he just took classes. He took classes. I think he might have auditioned and didn't get in. Hmm. Okay. Must have been so embarrassing for him. No I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so you just <laughs> so you just took the classes just because you thought this is something I could do, right? Yeah, I thought, um, you know, yeah, like I need, I need something to do after work. Like I need to, you know, have a little fun, and I, you know, I think it was like a point also where. I maybe had some, like, friends that moved away, and I was feeling like, oh, what am I going to do? You know? I had to have something new to do. And, um, yeah, so I started taking classes here, and I, you know, I had some theater experience, but it was definitely, I never had, like, improv training before. 
So it was fun. And Rick was so like, or he still is. He's just, um, he's very positive all the time. So yeah. it really just encouraged me to like keep going and do the next level. And, you know, and I also had a very good group of people I was in class with. Had you ever seen improv before uh, coming to these classes? I had. I had like in middle school when I was in that magnet program, you know, I think we took a trip to New York in eighth grade and there was like an improv workshop that we went to. And then I've seen Who's Line before, obviously. But um, I think I saw something in college at one point. I think I went to SAC one night and saw oh, okay. some improv. Um, but other than that, you know, it was like here and there, it wasn't, you know, like, it wasn't like I was coming in, like, I really need to learn some fucking improv. I'm going to be great. You know, <laughs> like, it was just like, I'm going to try it and see how it goes. Cool. And so when you started taking classes, what were some of the things that you experienced in classes that made you feel like I, I definitely made the right decision here? Um. I don't, it's hard to even remember that far back. It was I guess 2017, which isn't that long ago, but for me and my puny brain, it is. Um, I think just a lot of it was like encouragement and the group that I was with, they were all just encouraging each other to keep going, you know, yeah. like even if it was like a class, especially like with level three, when you're doing things that are very, um, can feel awkward and feel like, you know, a little, make you feel a little vulnerable and things like that. Um, I just had such a nice, positive group of people that were just like, let's just like, yeah, come on, sign up, sign up for the next one. You're so good. Like we would just be so encouraging with each other. And I think that's something I'm always craving is like that positivity, you know, and yeah. like friendship and yeah. So a slight bit of peer pressure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Peer pressure has made me do a lot of things in my life. So <laughs> <laughs> I could see that. I could see that. <laughs> And so, uh, what made you decide you wanted to audition for the cast? I think it was like, almost just like, wow, I've done this for so long now. Cause you get through all five levels and what does that come out to? Like a, almost a year, right? Uh, just about, I want to say, cause now we have six levels. Yeah. So I think it's like almost nine months maybe. Yeah. I mean, it was like having a baby. So yeah. I was, I put all this time into it. I paid for all these classes. Mm. I love doing this. I love just showing up and just not thinking about work or home or any responsibility that I have. I'm just in the moment up on the stage or, you know, whether in the middle of a room with these people I barely know, but I feel so connected to. And it's because we're just being in the moment, having fun, being stupid and giggly. Yeah. You know, I was just like, I just want to keep doing this. And classes were over. So it's like, how do I keep doing this? I'm going to join the cast. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I still remember your audition. Do you? Yeah, I do. Uh... And you know what's funny? I remember the first rehearsal that you came in. I forget what format we were doing. Uh-huh. Um, it wasn't a Laurent, but it was something kind of like that. It like was a long form? Somewhat narrative-y. Uh-huh. But I remember... I, I was sitting in the audience and just watching, and you were on stage with a group, and you hadn't come out for a while, then you came on, and you just said one line, and it just completely brought the entire house down, <laughs> and I thought to myself, oh yeah, this person definitely belongs in our cast. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I think I remember that rehearsal. I was so nervous coming to rehearsal. Were you? I was. I, um... I think I went on a trip, so I wasn't able to come to, like, the first two rehearsals I mm -hmm. 
should have come to. And um, so, you know, the other people that got in at the same time had already started. So I felt like new, new. And back then, our rehearsals were like, just, I mean, there's still, we have a lot of people show up, but like, there were a lot of people showing up to these rehearsals. And yeah. it felt like a lot more eyeballs on you. And yeah. All of management would be there all the time. So I was definitely a little intimidated, which is probably why I wasn't stepping out so much. But I think I remember I was mowing a lawn. I remember I was yes. mowing a lawn. It was some like stuff about cars and going off the road and somebody's grass. And I was just mowing my lawn like no one better fuck up my grass today yeah. or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I, I mean, obviously, for everyone listening, this sounds odd, but you had to be there. Yeah, had but, to be there. Yeah. But it, but it was just a great moment. I'm like, oh, I'm so glad she's in this class. <laughs> um. So, is there any sort of, because uh, I'm, I'm always interested in asking new people who come to the cast, mm-hmm. did you ever feel any sort of intimidation or did you feel like, let me rephrase that, did you ever feel like you had to prove yourself even more because you had joined the cast? Mm. I, a little bit, I think more to myself than to anybody else, you know? Mm. I think... The first show I ever got to do on the main stage was uh, Longer Harder. And I remember somebody seeing that go up and they were like, oh my gosh, you're in Longer Harder this week? And I was just kind of like, oh, should I be nervous now? (laughs) Like, (laughs) you know? And um, kind of just like having to psych myself up because it was such a big deal for everyone. Like anything that we did at JTF myth or whatever it was so new to me i didn't really know like should this be a big deal until someone told me it was you mm. know i yeah. don't know if that makes a whole lot of sense but i again, think it does i think it does peer pressure you know so um yeah i just for me being here being at jtf the cast directing teaching it's always just been is it still fun for me mm-hmm. and i think the moment it's not fun for me anymore i'm off to the next thing which I don't know if that sounds good now that I say it out loud. <laughs> but I truly believe, like, everyone's so dedicated here. Everyone's so lovely here. Like, it should be fun. It should be fun for everyone. And it is. So, yeah. That's why I keep coming back. Yeah. What are some things that you have learned for yourself as a performer here that's been part of the cast? Um, I think just the basics I think the listening you know just being in the moment and really listening to your scene partner that kind of stuff has helped me in real life for sure um and then the yes anding I'm it's so cheesy but it is kind of everything right I I think I was telling students the other night like you know because I have some over talkers in the class (laughs) and um I was telling them it's like you're making a sundae with your scene partner Someone put the scoop of ice cream there. Now you're going to go ahead and you're going to add the whipped cream. And then they're going to put the little chocolate fudge on. And then you're going to sprinkle some sprinkles on top of that. You're building something beautiful. And if it gets a little weird, if you're like, let me put some jalapenos on that sundae. Like, okay, maybe it might work out. It might be good. It's a fusion. That that recipe might work, I think. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But, um, you know, I just love the idea of like you're building this with somebody 
Mm-hmm. Um, and you're sharing that moment and that space and that time and effort with somebody or with somebody's. And it's just, I don't know. It's really taught me, like, just be in the moment. Just be present in everything you're doing. Um, yeah. What I really love to see, because I've been a part of this company for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And I love how we've definitely had a bigger amount of women in, in our cast. Yeah. And that's why I also love seeing people like you and, 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 and Marlene and, and Steph. And it makes me happy to see that we have really strong women in our cast now. Because yeah. obviously for a while, you know, improv was kind of, you know, if you wanted to be recognized, you had to be a male and white, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel like with your performance, you are really helping women get further along in this in this craft? I mean, I do what I can here, and that's all that matters, right? Like, creating that inclusive space wherever I am, then that's, that's what's important to me. I think, yeah, there are certain, um, even, you know, just jams and stuff where you, you see it. You see dudes just being dudes with each other and broing out and, like, on and off stage and... Um, sometimes you just like push your way through and you kind of, you know, I think it's, I don't know. It's a tough one to answer for me because I just feel like it's been such an inclusive environment here from the start, Mm -hmm. but I have been a bit pushy about it as well. And I have sent emails being like, Hey, why am I the only female in this cast and have been the only female in the last several shows I've been in, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, it's tough. And I think, especially now, you know, I think more and more women are kind of like, you know, do I want to dedicate my time to this thing? You know, we're getting challenged on a lot and a lot of, you know, focus on other things important in our lives. And, you know, I think, I don't know, creating this space for other women to come in and just be like, you can do whatever the fuck you want on stage here, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you don't have to play the girlfriend. You don't have to play the wife. You don't have to play the school teacher. You can just, like, come in and do whatever you want and kind of, you know, even run shows here and teach classes. It's, yeah, it's great. But to be honest, it's like, I would have never decided to teach if it wasn't for a male cast member and former management here, Tom, mm. he was like, hey, why aren't you teaching yet? And I was like, oh, I didn't think I'd be good enough. I don't know. I don't have that much experience. And he's like, you should be teaching and you should have been teaching for a while now. So that's why I did it. So it's just, you know, I don't, I don't know if that answers your question. No, it does. It does. And what I always love about watching you on stage is that if if you come in and you're the wife, you're mm-hmm. also the wife who's a CEO. Yeah. You know, you, you have no problem having power in in the scene. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean like you control the scene, but I mean you're not afraid to make yourself just the character that's just as important if, uh, as everyone else, if not more. And I think that's just a, a great quality to have for women, for people of color, for people in LGBTQ+. To be able to get on that stage and know that this is your stage too and you don't have to be the token character. 
Right. You don't have a part that's already pre-made for you. Mm -hmm. And you can come out and you can play high status all you want. You know, I think that's what's important. And just even, I think, especially as women sometimes, it's, and I don't want to speak for all women. I speak for myself, you know. Sometimes it's like, I just need someone to tap me on the shoulder and be like, you're doing it great. Like, you're doing it right. You should keep going. I just need that sometimes. So I think, you know, especially with students, especially with female students that I see that are just so funny and just different and like bring that special something. I just always want to be encouraging and be like, hey, by the way, like what you do is unique and lovely and you should keep going if it gives you joy, you know? Yeah. I can't reach your shoulder, but you are doing great. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so you got encouraged to teach, uh -huh. and um, were you nervous the first time you taught a class? I don't think so. I can't even remember. It's I've taught so many classes here. I can't even After tell a you. while, they kind of run together. Yeah, and it was before the pandemic, too. So I just <laughs> yeah. feel like anything before the pandemic, I'm like, what is time? Um but I remember I shadowed, I shadowed, I think it was Amanda. She taught a level one class. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, so I felt comfortable, you know, after shadowing a little bit. And then I taught level two. And I just remember, um, I've just always been the person where it's like, I'm not going to just sit there, clap my hands and be like, that was excellent. Next. You know, I'm always going to give a little note, a little something for you to just like, encourage you to keep going and keep trying or maybe even try something new next time even mm -hmm. if it was great the first time you know but to always be playful you know yeah and I think just having that playfulness while and I don't even like saying teaching I really feel like I'm just an instructor here you mm -hmm. know like I'm giving you the guidance but like it's all you um but yeah when I'm doing these classes I just it's always been so playful for me. It's always just been about having fun and, you know, getting better. And, yeah. So, I wasn't quite nervous. I think I was more nervous when I had my first showcase as a teacher. Really? Oh, my gosh. When they had to, like, go up there and do a show, I was, like, sweating bullets. I'm like, what is this going to be like? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm assuming they did well. Yeah, they did so well. I remember it was a level two class, so it was all short form games. And what I love about teaching level two is, you know, you're doing all the editing for them. Like you're mm. calling the pieces and you're, you're getting things moving for them. You get so much better at editing and calling and hosting as a level two instructor. It's so true. You really, like you get really fucking good at it. So I remember that was like, well, I'm, that's my takeaway from this, you know? Yeah. I'm getting better too. So yeah, it's all good. What has it been like to see all these different groups of people come to you and to see their transformations from no matter what level it is from their first week to their student show? It's, I mean, it's just beautiful. It's, you know, Especially like teaching level one, you sometimes you'll get somebody that's just like, what the hell did I sign up for? Like, why did I do this? Yeah. And they get so nervous going up stage, like introducing themselves yeah. to everybody. There's always that in our level one class. Yeah, always. And even in like, I'm teaching level three right now, you know, mm -hmm. especially level three from week one to week five, you see growth, you oh, see yeah. an intense amount of growth. And I don't know, it's just... 
especially with adults who maybe feel like, oh, you know, that part of my life's done where I'm like learning things and Mm -hmm. being playful and making things up on the spot with friends, like just playing pretend. Like there's just something so beautiful about watching like grown ass adults do that and prove themselves wrong and just having so much fun and their friends laughing and just like, I mean, every class I teach, people come in and they're like, oh, I really didn't want to come today, but I'm glad I did. You know? Yeah, I hear that all the time. All I hear a time. lot of students come in and they're like, man, I, I wasn't, I was thinking about skipping this week, yeah. but then I decided to come and I'm really glad I did. It's because you need that. You need the space. And, you know, we all deserve to put some time into ourselves and to just fucking letting go and having fun and not being in control all the time. Um, I think that's all really important. So... That's what I get out of it. I mean, that's why I keep teaching, so. Yeah, there definitely is, and I hear it all the time, there's definitely a therapeutic aspect to all of this. Yeah, yeah, it's it, therapeutic, I think, in the sense that it's just, because you aren't, it's like going to a yoga class, right? Like, how much are you really thinking about in yoga? Like, you're just really trying to get it done right. And I think that's yeah. the same thing here. It's like, even like rock climbing, you know, you go and climb, all you're thinking about is the next um, fuck, I don't rock climb, but you know, the next thing that you have to hold on to, (laughs) (laughs) what's my next step here? That's all you're focused on. And so the same thing in class for the two and a half hours, all you're focused on is like, okay, what am I doing here in this moment with this person on stage with me? Like, how are we going to get through this together? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's important to have that time and space for that. Yeah. Yeah. What has your experience been being a director here? interesting i became a director after the pandemic so we came back and it was kind of like uh i can't remember it was an email or a text message it's like yeah you've been on the short list to be a director why don't you just start now we'll let you direct a show <laughs> i'm like okay um i had show run before so i've put together lineups before mm-hmm. and um But I think just like anything else I do, I take it serious and I want to put a good show together and people are paying $25 for that ticket to come and watch. And I know it's, you know, it's people's date nights or it's people's night off from work. Yeah. You know, like it's important, valuable time for our audience. So I always want to put a good show together. I always want to honor the audience, but honor our cast too. And the time that they put into being here and doing it. And yeah, um, it's been really great. I love our cast here. We have the most inclusive, beautiful cast, I think. Yeah. Well, we touched upon it a little bit in the beginning, but we talked about how you love to create unique show formats. And I love how Whenever you you create a lineup, it usually has like a cold open. Yeah. And not the traditional, hey, everybody, welcome to Just the Funny. Anyone been to an improv show before? You know, (laughs) I I love that you're so willing to just, and also just try and and, and experiment with things. I I love that about you. Yeah, I think um, part of it is also, um, you know, especially after the pandemic, I think a little bit with our cast, we, we started kind of going into like this mode where we were just doing the same thing yeah over and over again and we were almost like in like kind of just like this autoplay you know mode yeah and it's for me it's like doing the stuff that we know how to do still so it comes out well and good for the audience but maybe changing it up a little bit putting a little twist on it making it 
as I like to say, more theatrical or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that way it just keeps us on our toes a little bit, but it also creates kind of like this more unpredictable energy for the audience too. Right? Yeah. You know what totally. I mean? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. When you lead a rehearsal, what are you, it's okay. I, I was like, what is that? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, there are ghosts in here. You never know. <laughs> uh, when you're leading us in rehearsal, uh-huh. what are, and you could be in general or specifically, what are some of the main things that you're trying to get for us as a cast to do? Let loose. Have fun. Um, but own the stage more. You know, I think that's the big thing every rehearsal. It's like, I just want you to come out with purpose, with energy, and just fucking own that stage. Like, this is your show. This is your piece. You own it. Act like you own it, you know? Make it good. Just everything with purpose and just come out. And I think, again, sometimes we just kind of go into this mode where we're like just flying through pieces and maybe not feeling it and embracing it as much as we could be. I hear you. I feel like all my answers to you are very vague. (laughs) That's okay. They're your answers. Yeah. Yeah. Vague answers. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you could, you're free to be as vague or as specific as you want to be. I'm not going to tell you what to do. Yeah. I just think like, uh, you know, sometimes I always, what I always hate as a director and as an instructor, I don't know about you, but when, um, someone's doing something on stage and you're off stage, you know, off to the side a little bit and they look over at you like, am I doing this right? Like mid piece, you know, you I get know the exactly side what eyes. you mean. Yeah. And I get that from students a lot, which understandable, you know, yeah, you get that constantly from students, but sometimes I also get it from cast members. And that's when I'm like, no, you fucking don't. You are in this cast. You are so good. You are so brilliant at everything you do up there. Own it. Like, don't look at me and ask me if it's okay. Don't ask me, oh, should I do this? I don't know. Should you? You don't know until you do it. Find out. Right, like, right. Yeah. I just, that's the thing I always want to be encouraging of is just like, I don't have the answers either. Just find out. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, another great memory of, of you sharing the stage with you that comes to mind is we were doing, I want to say it was either the event or I don't know. No, I don't think it was the event, but it was something, uh, it was something that had like a narrative feel. Oh no, it may, it might have been slacker actually. Okay. But, um, there were a couple of scenes about a guy who was like sleeping around a lot and he was like sleeping around <laughs> uh-huh. and maybe you remember this, maybe you don't, but then you and I had a scene with this other guy. You were uh, you were my wife, and we were like that guy's parents. Uh-huh. And you started the scene with a, such a great inspiration going, you're sleeping around too much. You're sleeping in class. You're sleeping at home. <laughs> and Casey, that killed me so much. I mean, I, I don't break that often, but uh-huh. I, that just completely broke me because I just loved how clever that was. I, I would have I never remember. have made that connection. I think I remember, yeah. I can't, I can't remember. It was in the spotlight for sure. I'm pretty no, sure. it was on the main stage. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, that I, I do that. remember for sure. Uh, yeah, I just, yeah, these little moments, doing something unexpected, knowing that um, someone said it, that makes it true, but does that mean we're all thinking the same thing? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Just yeah. that little element of surprise, I feel like, is 
Yeah, important and fun, and that's what makes it so playful. Yeah, I I, lo- I always love your ability to like find another connection, yeah. and and I think what I just said is a good example of that. It's like, are you always trying to find different ways to look at things when you're on stage? Yeah, sometimes. Um, I think in the beginning more than I do now. Now I'm just like floating through it sometimes, <laughs> you know. <laughs> And if I find those connections, great. But back in the day, I used to be, like, really preoccupied with, like, how do I be, how do I make this different, you know? Like, just, how do I make this, yeah, I don't know. But I do think, like, yeah, it's just all about, well, if this is true, then what else is true? It's that question that you ask yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And how do I make this worse is also another question that is so good to ask yourself when you're doing improv. It's like... How do we make this worse in the best possible way? Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I haven't really asked anybody this yet, but, you know, obviously it's silly to say because it's so obvious, but so many things changed when when the pandemic happened. Um, how did it affect you to go through that time of us all being locked down and having to do shows over Zoom? Those were awful Zoom shows. I don't ever want to do a Zoom show ever again. Neither I mean, do I. <laughs> it just felt like the Brady Bunch. Um, <laughs> just the oh, it's like watching the Brady Bunch for an hour, but just the opening credits when they're in those little boxes. It was just yeah. absolutely terrible. Yeah. I mean, it was still, you know, I think we just needed that kind of outlet during that time, especially. I was writing a lot more sketches during that time. I'm part of the, I was part of the sketch group here for a while and, um, you know, and like workshopping those, recording at home as much as possible and then doing the Zoom shows, but it wasn't the same. I think we were all so happy to just come back and, um, but it was kind of nice. I felt more connected to people here too during yeah. that time. Yeah. Cause we were making such an effort of like, let's just try to do a show over zoom and maybe some people will watch and it'll be great. And, you know, management here was, you know, putting on these shows too. And it was, yeah, I felt like everyone was trying their hardest because they really needed it. Yeah. So. There was that feeling that we got to do something. Yeah. yeah. And not because anyone's knocking on our doors to do it. It's because we want to do it, you yeah. know? I think it was more for ourselves than, than anything. Absolutely. Which is understandable, I think. Yeah. Yeah, of course. But I'm glad those days are over. Yeah. Can you enjoy watching a show online uh, like you would seeing it live? Um, yeah. I think I could. But it's so different. I just there's something about live and sharing that space. Yeah. As an audience member and just like watching performers up there and just, you know, anything can like anything can happen at any point. Anything could change. Even if it's you know, especially improv. It's like, you know, these moments they only exist now with this audience. And I always do feel like the audience is just as much a part of the show as the players are. Yeah. Um, but in their own way, you know? I'm 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 not the type to let the audience really like dictate what's going on and how we're doing. And, you know, some people will say, Oh, it's such a this audience is so awkward tonight and they're not clapping at anything and it's like, Yeah, that sucks, but like how are we doing? You know, like that's what matters. Um, 
So there's that, but then I also do really feel like there's just, like, this energy between the players and the audience that, like, you know, it's different every time, and it's important. Yeah. I feel like I always have to watch an improv show live. Yeah. And I don't just mean, you know, online shows, but I mean, like, I know there's a show on Netflix, and I don't remember the name of it, but it's there's, like, a, an improv show on Netflix one of them, I think, was part of the the cast of a uh, Parks and Rec. I don't remember his name. Oh, is it the Will Arnett show where it's like um he's like a detective? Uh, no, I know what you're talking about, but no, there, there's a different one, and it, and it's like a like a live uh, duo show. Oh yes, 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 yes. I've seen it. Yeah, know you know what I'm talking about. about. John yeah. Ralphio and the other guy. That's it. Yeah, that's <laughs> I don't it. Know their names. And you know what? Uh, they're 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 great performers, but you know what? I I can't watch it because I have to be in the room. When it's happening, because exactly like you yeah. said, mm-hmm. it's there and you're present for this living moment that we're all experiencing. Yeah. So for me, it, it's very hard to watch a show online or, or on TV. I have to be there. It's also why I, I can't really watch Who's Line uh, anymore. Yeah. And I enjoy it and I love the stuff they do. But, you know, after a while, I'm like, I have to be there. It, it's very much the same thing as, you know, if your wife is about to give birth, you want to be in the room there. When it happens, you don't want to watch it on on Facetime. Well, I'd hope so. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, how weird would it be? It's like, uh, look, our son is born. Okay, can you hold him up to the camera? I can't see. You know, it, it's not the same experience. You Give know, you're his good side. <laughs> <laughs> can Can we get a close up? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I um I agree. Improv, especially, but. I don't, have you watched the jury yet at all, or what is the jury? I haven't seen that. It's um, I haven't heard of that. I haven't watched it either. This is I, I make for a terrible podcast. I'm sorry. I'm just going <laughs> to talk about things I haven't seen yet. But <laughs> it's uh it's this program. I think it's on Peacock or something. And it's basically this one guy. He's sitting on a jury in New York, and he doesn't know he's. Like, he thinks it's, like, a documentary or something, but he doesn't know that everyone else on the jury are, like, paid actors, and they're, like, improvisational actors, a lot of them. And oh, okay. Yeah, and so you can see how that kind of escalates, like, yeah, and then I think James Marsden's in it, and he plays himself, and he's like, yeah, I was just called to be on this jury, and I'm a movie star, or whatever, <laughs> and, like, and then there's, like, a lot of characters, like, everyone's, yeah. like, a big character, right. and this guy just has no clue that this is just, like, a total prank on him. Oh, I have to watch that. I have to watch it, too, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Let's list all the other shows that we haven't watched <laughs> all yet. All <laughs> the other improv stuff we have not seen. Right, or yeah. just shows in general. There's a long list of shows I have not watched. Have not watched Succession whatever <laughs> I, I have not watched game of thrones oh there you go yeah, yeah. fuck it it's overrated <laughs> <laughs> um as you look back on all the years that you've been doing this and your mm-hmm. time here and everything that you've gone through through your journey what reflections do you have seeing yourself today uh it's just you know i'm really proud of myself i think sounds so cheesy and lame to say out loud but I'm proud you know I've made such great friends and I do this crazy thing where I go out on stage in front of strangers and I don't know what I'm gonna say next you know and I do that for two hours straight (laughs) and (laughs) and you know what nine times out of ten it's great like it's always a good time um yeah to me it doesn't seem like 
a weird thing to do, but then, you know, I think my dad once told me, he was like, that's really, I was scared about doing something. I can't remember what it was. He, uh, yeah, I think it was something with like an animal, bees or something. He keeps bees, which sounds really weird, but he has a hive. Anyway, and he's like, you know, you go up on a stage and like really put yourself out there almost every week and you're afraid of bees. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that is brave. It is a brave thing to do and it's pretty vulnerable. And I think, um, you know, it's, listen, I'm not, you know, this isn't like my whole career. This isn't my everything, but this is really important to me and it's something mm-hmm. I really love doing and I'm good at it and i bring joy to people who watch to students who take my class to my castmates who I I get the opportunity to direct every so often um they put their trust in me as well and it feels really good so you know the time here is well worth it I think and I'm proud of that for sure are there any particular types or styles of improv that you enjoy doing the most I love long form, which is probably very obvious to you. <laughs> it is. I can tell. <laughs> I love taking my time and I love building a character, especially in like a narrative or something. I think that's so much fun and gives you a whole lot more freedom than um, a short form piece. But then I also do love short form too. Mm. I think, you know, but yeah, I do. I love running a Laurent and I know people are like, I don't like a Laurent, but that I'm telling you it's because you're not listening. You're not <laughs> really true, being yeah. in the moment. Like yeah. Yeah. you just need to pay attention and it's going to be great. Um, yeah, I think those types of pieces are, are great. And then of course, you know me and Jimmy the Pigeon. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a great great line game there i love what i love about it though is like i just love you ran a show where we actually opened with jimmy the pigeon yeah and i thought it worked out really well i thought it was great because you, we didn't just go into the piece you had this idea of opening it at, with whoever the caller was coming yeah. out and being like this italian guy welcoming everyone yeah. to the family and you had us all it was so beautifully done you had us all come out one by one like this weird italian family members yeah yeah everyone just like coming hey hey yeah. and like <laughs> we do a little intro we introduced everyone with our names that's how we got the cast out mm. carol is on the keys giving us some like real atmospheric music and it was fun. It was a vibe. And like, yeah, I, I called the piece. I came out from the back of the audience and it was a really nice way to kind of just like shoot the shit with the audience for a second. And like right at the top and kind of just like almost like everyone could put their guard down a little bit too. Yeah. Like I was coming in literally from their side, chit-chatting with people, making a big deal, making people giggle and laugh right away. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't up on the stage looking down at them. I was like right there eye level and yeah and then one by one they got to introduce the cast and meet them and and it was just fun it was silly it was over the top it was you know wordplay and yeah i i love that piece i think yeah it was a good way to open the show yeah do you ever have any focus on trying to make the audience laugh no i mean anytime i've really like in my head if i'm like oh yeah this is gonna be hilarious and then I do it. <laughs> and then it's not. Yeah, nine times out of ten. Been so, there. Yeah, exactly. So For I, me, I would say it's ten times out of ten. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I just, um, no, I think, 
laughing is just kind of like part of it. It comes with it. It's not the goal there, right? right. I think the goal is to be believable, right? Yeah. And, and make people want to keep watching. Like, it's just, yeah. The end goal for me is not the laughter. The la- That's just a bonus. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. I'm 100% with you on there. I always tell students that um, in improv, laughs are not your paycheck. Yeah. They're just your Christmas bonus. Yeah. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah. I love that quote. And I think... You can use it if you want. Thank you. I'm going to tell people why I came up with it, if you don't mind. <laughs> well, um, I better trademark that real quick. <laughs> <laughs> I think even uh, whenever you say dare to be lovely, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's what I... I just... Yeah, I think... I don't know. Sometimes I'll just, like, when I'm watching improv and I just kind of, like, tilt my head and smile, you know? Yeah. It's not a laugh, but, like, that's so much better to me, I think. Yeah. It's like I'm in it with you as an audience member in that moment. Yeah. I am so invested in whatever's going up on stage. Like, that's what I want. That's my goal. Um which is why I really like it when you do remind us to like just dare to be lovely. Like you did before Fever Pitch the other week. I thought that was um, exactly what I needed to hear before that show. You know? Yeah. That was your first time doing Fever Pitch. Yeah. It hadn't been around the theater. I, so I joined the cast late 2017. I don't think we had done a Fever Pitch. Maybe we did a few times before the pandemic. But like, yeah. yeah. But it wasn't as much a part of our normal lineup as it is now. Yeah. And I remember you were kind of nervous to to do it when we did it uh, the other day. Yeah, I'm a control freak deep down inside. Um, And I think just like not knowing the format really and then knowing, well, there isn't really a format. Right. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, oh, that makes me nervous. Um, Mm -hmm. But it ended up being such an enjoyable experience. I think I'll do the next one too. Yeah. You and I shared a really lovely scene in that. Yeah. Which I really, really enjoy. I, I still, I, I still get goosebumps about it because, you know, it wasn't about making the audience laugh. You and I were just having this moment of, you know, let let's just go out. Mm-hmm. No, I, I can't because my dad's not there anymore. Yeah. And I just, I don't think I've ever really connected with you in a scene like that before. Yeah. And I, and I just, I just loved it so much. It felt like, um, well, I was in it, but. I think someone was telling me afterwards, it was like just watching two people in their home, you know, like just being a fly on the wall, Um, which, you know, that's acting. It's believable. Mm -hmm. And yeah, the focus was not to be funny. The focus was, I think Jarrett had just gave a really beautiful monologue. Yes. um, And he said something about women or being the perfect wife or something like that. Um, finding the perfect woman or yes. something like that. And to me, when I had to edit that, I was just right away, I was just like, oh, okay, putting on makeup, the perfect woman. Yeah. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> some bullshit like that. And I just, you know, took the time and, you know, kind of set up and you came in so beautifully and it just, you know, again, we built that Sunday, that ice cream Sunday together. And it yeah. turned out to be a really, uh, Really sincere, beautiful scene. Yeah, and it didn't need jalapenos. It was just great the way it was. Exactly. It was just a classic Sunday. Yeah. I think Fever Pitch is a great example about how so many times the best reactions you get from an audience isn't always laughs. Right. You know, I love hearing an audience go, oh, you know. Yeah, or like I said, just like that, the smile and the tilting of the head, you know, like, it's just, 
that's, I just want people to be connected and invested in what's going on and feel like their time and money is well worth it to be there. Yeah. That's all I want. Yeah. I'm always a firm believer that, you know, improv can be more than just how do we get laughs. Yeah. You know, And, and I love watching you being able to embrace yourself as a true actor and being able to say, this might not be funny, but this is going to be real for this moment. Yeah. Or trying to make Joe dance with me. <laughs> yes. I, I love that so much. Because it was great. Because, like, Joe was, like, very reluctant. Like, I don't know if this restaurant's going to work. And you're like, hey, let's just start dancing. <laughs> and it's like, what, like, a that's, like, such a lovely, honest moment to see happen. Yeah. Everything's going to be fine if you just dance through it. You right, know? yeah. Yeah, I think. Um, also, any excuse to dance up on stage, I love it so much. <laughs> oh, my God. Here's my last question for you, Casey. Mm-hmm. What's the one piece of advice that has served you well that you want everyone else to hear? Uh, hmm. One piece of advice. Oh, crap. I should have been prepared for this. I listened to so many of these episodes before. <laughs> um, one piece of advice. I don't know. I think um, just knowing that you're enough. I mean... Mark, I think, is the first person I ever heard say that. Oh, we got a call. Should I answer it for just the funny? Uh, yeah, we, let's let it ring. I mean, we could, it could be a whole. It could be a whole thing, oh, yeah. there's no phone here. Of course there's just a thing that rings, but no phone. Right. this place. <laughs> this, this is really place. happening, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I was ready to answer and start slinging tickets tonight. Anyway. Um. Yeah, I just think, like, Mark was the first person I ever heard say it, and um, I know a lot of people say it, but it's such a beautiful reminder and thing to just, you know, you're enough. Like, don't try to be anybody else. Don't try to be funny. Don't try to be anything but, you know, your absolute best self, I think is, that's important, you know? If you do that, at least one person watching is going to be like, that person that's my person there you know yeah you know you always watch something and you just like identify with one person in the cast you're like that's the guy or that's the woman or that's whoever you know um yeah so you are enough that's important and you are amazing casey Uh, as are you ld (laughs) I, i am always honored to be directed by you to share a stage with you um i'm just so happy to have been able to know you and connect with you Thank you, LD. Same with you. And uh, I'll see you at Countdown, right? Yes, you will see me at Countdown, yes. In Tampa. Another wonderful moment for us in our improv friendship. It was so fun hanging out with you there last year. And your show was so fucking good. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me on. Thank you so much for being here, Casey. What a great time. I couldn't have been more happier. My thanks to Casey Corge for sharing her story with me and for reminding us all that indeed, you are enough. You can catch Casey and I performing regularly at Just the Funny in Miami, Florida. For tickets and information, visit justthefunny.com. If you're having a great time on this podcast, and I really hope you are, feel free to leave a review and share this with everyone you know who likes listening to podcasts. Visit my website, togetherbymyself.com, to learn about my solo improv show 
and feel free to contact me for improv shows and magic shows anytime. Thank you all so much for being here. There's much more to come, so stay tuned. Until next time, I'm LD, and this is Improv and Magic. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>